0: I'm Rick Smith and I've been here at Bethel since 2016 enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern Kipledore County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So God's blessing on you and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, I've titled my message today don't make me pull this car over, you at some point, if you're anything like me, heard that from your parent, probably your father, (laughs) because of something that you were doing along the way, Uh, and if you're anything like me, you probably then also have said that as you were in the parenting process and your kids were, oh, probably doing things you hoped they wouldn't have done. Um, Parenting can be a challenge. Um, and sometimes kids can be difficult, and a couple illustrations of that. There was a lady reflecting upon her kids once, and she said, I just put my little boy to bed for the umpteenth time, and my patience was running out. When I heard him cry mama again, I yelled to him, if I hear you say mama one more time, I'm going to spank you. Well, for a little while, all was quiet. And then I heard a a little voice whisper, Mrs. Green, can I have a drink? (laughs) And then there was a Sunday school teacher who asked the grade school children how old they thought Isaac was when God had told Abraham to sacrifice his son. Well, one boy raised his hand and said, Isaac could not have been over 12 years old. And the teacher's like, How do you know that? And the boy explained, well, I have a brother and sister who are in their teens, and I'm not sure it would have been a sacrifice if they'd been older than 12. Children, they can be difficult, and, and sometimes they, they have this mind of theirs that this is how I'm going to live it out, and I'm going to do this no matter what you want. And And as parents, we try and guide them and direct them towards something else, and sometimes there's a conflict in how we do that. And uh, as we think through that in a parenting mode, there's also times spiritually that those things happen as well. That people need to be spoken to because they're going in a wrong direction, in a wrong path. We've been looking at Paul's letter to Corinth. And in this first letter, he's talking about all kinds of things and dynamics that have been going on. In the first part of this letter, he, he's writing about things that are not going well and addressing the, the difficulties they're having and trying to get them centered again on, on what's important and what's, what matters, and, and, and all, much of that being Jesus the Lord. And, and, and so in some ways, he... He he's being like a, a a spiritual parent to them, kind of trying to direct them back, and in, in one of those not very not very nice times, uh, their quarrels about who they will listen to and and follow lands them at odds with being centered on the most important things, and in particular that being the Lord, and and how they're treat, treating those who have been their teachers and fathers and and guides in this has come up with that as well. So we are in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians and if you have your Bibles and would we'll turn to there. And as he continues talking with them, this is this is what he writes. Well, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God." As Paul begins this part of his discussion, he continues to point out who it is that really matters in all of this. And, and as part of that understanding that the Lord Jesus is the center of us, sin center of all of this, he, he begins, again, reminding them that those who even are teachers, who are guides in this, are servants or, or stewards, as it says. Um, household managers is how someone would describe it, uh, and, and when we think about what is a household manager or someone who is a servant or steward, what do they do? Well, they do whatever the master tells them to do, right? That, that is, it is not their decision about how many places to set if there's going to be a dinner party or what the meal is going to be. They are told what to do. They are given responsibility and, and they do it. The direction comes from the master. And he's the one to whom all things will be judged. And, and, and how they do their job, he will assess. And if some of the other servants in the household are like, you're not doing that right. Paul kind of says, what you think doesn't matter. Because it matters what one thinks. And that's the master. And ultimately, I'm responsible for what the master wants. You may not like it. You may have done it elsewhere, some, some, in some other way elsewhere. But this is what the master is telling me to do. And, and obviously, he's speaking about the message and the ways that they've taught them about what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. And, and again, these conflicts that they're having, these quarrels between them of, of who's better than another... Apollos' name has come up again and again throughout this, and and after Paul had begun the church in Corinth, Apollos came and and helped them grow deeper uh, through his teaching. And so some people were saying, "Well, you know, Paul, whatever," but uh, we like Paul, Apollos, and and there was divisions and quarrelling among them about who they were going to listen to more. And 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 Paul has been saying along all along here. That's not the point. The point is, who are we talking about? Your relationship with God through Jesus, that's what matters. How you live this out to Him. And the reminder has been all along here that how Jesus lived and what He modeled and how He saves us is not the same way and wisdom that's contemporary society for them was. Saying this is what wisdom is all about. But be, because again, how did Jesus save? Through his death and crucifixion. And those who bring the message and talk about this, again, are only servants of the master as they go forward. I, I love that the verse there in, in verse 4 where he says, My conscience is clear. But that does not mean I'm innocent. Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of times we can go around thinking I'm doing right. My conscience is clear about how I've approached the particular situation. And and as Paul does that, and his conscience is clear, but he reflects. But that doesn't make me innocent. Just because I think I've done it all right. It doesn't mean necessarily I did, that I did it exactly the way the master wanted me to. And I think there's there's much for us to reflect on that, that if we think we got it right, remember who we're asking for the guidance and the direction from. It's not what the other servants around us think, but in the end it's, it's the master. He's the one who is in charge. And, and so his advice is, in looking at others, do not judge before, before the right time to do it, but allow God to be the one that demonstrates for us and, and, and judges and, and gives his final determination on well-done, good and faithful servant or not. There's this reflection that when the Lord comes, the things that are hidden will be visible. The, 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 the secret things will be exposed for what they really are. In our hearts, and our lives, and the ways that we approach others, it will be shown eventually by God. And, and if he's telling a particular leader to guide in a way who are we to combat that? Who are we to, to challenge that? Now, as I say that, sometimes these verses and passages have been used by leaders to, uh, to throw off any criticism that might be there, possibly legitimately. And I think there's a caution for all of us in this, is again, to reflect that maybe our conscience is clear, but are we innocent? That all of us ultimately are, in fact, accountable to God himself, of being faithful to him and, and his calling to us and, and being sensitive enough to listen to, to what it is that he's calling us to and guiding us to and directing us to, whether it's in the, in the life of the, the church in particular or in our interactions with others in whatever may come by. How do we act? How do we live? Who is in charge? Jesus is in charge. And continuing to remember him is foremost in that. And, again, Paul mentions his, his uh, co-laborer, Ap- Apollos, as he, as he moves on here. Uh, again, to the Corinthians, there's been this power match between the two of them that they vied one over the other, but for Paul and Apollos, they have no perspective of that. They are co-laborers. They understand their roles in this, and and so he begins to to press on. And now, it, if you like sarcasm, and maybe you feel that you have the gift of sarcasm, um, this Paul is your patron saint of it right here, because this whole section is just so rich with it. Um, as he as he begins to narrow down at. What's going on in the Corinthians' lives? and So he says, now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For what makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it... Why did you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign, so that we might also reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those contem- condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle of, to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are honored. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it when we are slandered we answer kindly we have become the scum of the earth the garbage of the world right up to this moment uh, do you see how this drips with sarcasm as he's talking with them uh, you are so wise and we are are so foolish uh, and as it goes on the the crux of the issue for paul again becomes the difference between self promotion and promoting the work of Jesus. And living then is, is less about getting stuff, even knowledge or wisdom, but recognizing where we stand in all of this. That we remember that Jesus' rescue came through his horrible death on the cross this horrid symbol of death and humiliation. And those who are followers of him, how are they to live? Paul says us apostles have become like those at the end of a procession. And and in Roman culture, which the Corinthians would have been certainly very familiar with, that when... When the armies went out to battle into war, and they came back after a victory, uh, there would be a whole parade that would come, apart, come, come along with that. Uh, he speaks of this again in Second Corinthians, in chapter two, about a triumphal procession, and and as the the generals and the leaders and the and the those who served in the army go forth, there is jubilation, there is excitement, there is thrill, and at, at the end of the line are the prisoners, those who are captured, those who are not part of their culture and their life, but they have been defeated, and they are brought through, and they have a destiny. It's not a good destiny. Either they will be made slaves to those within the community, or they will be publicly killed and um, shamed in front of everyone. Paul says, that's what... That's where we're at. As followers and leaders in in Jesus' church, this is our placement, our setting. The world looks at us and we look like fools to them, but we are fools for Christ. Our center and our orientation is not on lifting ourselves up, on being puffed up, on looking good in front of everyone, but serving our master. And so the cross is our inspiration. That's the thing which motivates and directs us. Not what we look like in front of others. And he ends this section saying we are like garbage. The scum of the earth, the refuse of this world. And, and this phrasing is as disgusting and dirty and nasty as you think think it might be those who would work with waste systems and clearing stuff that's the imagery he's bringing up this is who we are in the world and sometimes in Corinthian society but also we fight for this as well we we want to be thought of as respectable and and uh, proper and and yet the The call is, as followers of Jesus, this world isn't going to get that. And they're going to look down on us throughout it all. We do have opposition. And those who want nothing to do with being followers of Jesus. Earlier in January, there was a pronouncement. It was on many of the uh, Christian websites about... Occurrences that were happening in Bolivia. Bolivia passed a law that went that came out in December, went into effect in the middle of January, and basically making it outlaw outlawing evangelism. And, and and the description of the the actual law that came about was that it was illegal to be recruiting others to be part of it, whether it's a terrorist organization or a religion or. Um, Activity like that. And uh, why does that come about? This is equating religion and faith in the church with terrorism. Such is the belief in some places about what it is that we believe. Christianity is not this thing that everyone's like, oh, they're so good. It's a challenge to who they are and what they want life to be about. Now, about a week after it was going into effect, uh, there was such an uproar and, and, and cry from within the community, the people, that they retracted this law. And so it is not illegal to continue to try and tell people about Jesus and and uh get them to to be followers of him. But that the president and, and those in and their Senate or their Congress would go to this length, gives a description of some of the opposition that's out there. For Paul, he says, this is, this is who we are. But that's okay, because we're following our model, and that's Jesus. And that brings us uh, to his next comments through the, through the end of this chapter Uh, as he writes this, uh, his point is not to shame them, but to give them a warning about where they're at. In verse 14, he writes, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Paul is working on getting back to Corinth following up the ministries that he's been a part of, of discipling and helping the churches to continue to develop well. That, that was part of, of the ongoing mission of the church at large. And, and as he had the connection in, in drawing them to, to, to the Lord through his teaching and through preaching the gospel, he felt responsible for where they were at. And, and, and you get this conversation that's very parent-like, my dear children, he says to them. And, and he says, through the gospel, I, I was a father to you, helping you to come understand this. And, and he distinguishes being a father from thousands of guardians that might be there. And um, to Wright, when he's translate this, the, the word he uses for guardians is babysitters. And what is a babysitter in the grand scheme of things? When we have a babysitter, when we bring a babysitter to watch our kids, what are we hoping for? Well, hopefully no blood or fires. <laughs> That's the goal. Get through the night without huge problems. But the babysitter does not come to teach, influence, and direct the lives of the children. That's the parent's responsibility, Right? And, and so there are many that can help guide and, and, and be part of keeping things going. But who fathers us? And Paul says, I've been your father as I brought the gospel to you. And here's what I need you to do. To remember the things that not only I talked about, but I lived in your midst. Imitate the way I lo- of, of life I lived. How many of us would be as confident as of, of him of saying, imitate me, however I live, that's what you should do. Because this is what following Jesus is all about. But that's what spiritual fathers in our lives do. They give us Direction. In my life, I, I look at four men in particular who have been spiritual fathers to me. Um, one was a college student when I was in high school named Kurt. And he helped disciple me and, and one of my best friends into what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And then when I was in, in uh, later high school and into college, uh, another man, Doug Britton, who uh, is now a missionary in, in Ukraine, he invested time with me and helped me mature through lots of things and, and, and moments in my life. And then while I was at college in Milwaukee, uh, a man named John Fisco uh, discipled and mentored me and, and spent time with me talking about what being a follower and, and a leader was. And then the first senior pastor I served under in Milwaukee, Paul Breyers, taught me about leadership and, and care and love. And, and these guys modeled what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. But they also showed me how to live this. Now, believe it or not, with all four of these men, at some point, I ended up crossways with them. Something in me and, and how they maybe they said something, I, maybe I bristled with, I, or whatever it was, but as I reflected upon those circumstances, who do you think was wrong? (laughs) It was me. That in thinking I knew what I was talking about, I didn't. And over time, I I needed to stop and, and listen to what they were saying because... My road and my path was wrong headed. I needed these men in my life to give me the the kind rebuke that I needed at that moment uh, the, the care that I needed sometimes they weren 't the kindest rebukes actually, to be honest, but sometimes we need to hear that we don 't like to hear it we don 't like to be told we 're wrong and you 're not doing this right. sometimes we need we need to hear that again that verse four. My conscience is clear, but I might not be innocent. It <laughs> doesn't make me innocent. It's God who judges. And to have people in our lives that can direct us back towards looking at God. We need those in our lives. And, and as Paul is talking with this church and preparing for his return to them, so what is it going to be? Am I, are you going to start walking down this? Are you going to listen to the things that we talked about? I'm sending Timothy. And, and Timothy had, had been with Paul in Corinth and, and was part of the ministry. And, and he had left as well. And so now Paul is going to send him back and and... Paul and Timothy's relationship was, was beautiful. Uh, he's got two letters in the scripture that are directed to Timothy and, and what it means to be a leader and uh, a leader of a church in particular, but also a man of God and, and how to go forward. And, and so sending Timothy, it's like sending part of him in, himself because he'd mentored him. He's been a spiritual father to him as well. And he could speak well about this is what it means to walk with the Lord we need that in our lives and two challenges i i want to I want to give to you one is who's your spiritual father, and what are some of the things that they lived out in front of you and this doesn't mean to be a male father or mother in your life, but but who is it that, that helped to guide and direct you into what it means? To be followers of Jesus. Uh, Spend some time thinking through that person and their life and their world. But the second thing is, are there people in your life that you're helping to parent along? That you're investing in them and, and and talking with them and and guiding them about this is what it means to be a Christian. So much so that you could say, imitate me. How I live, how I follow through these things. Because we, be, we need both of these things in our lives, don't we? Uh, we need those who can guide us and to remember the things they've taught us. But we also need to be investing in others. This life is a gift, This relationship with God is a gift. And we live it out together as we take communion. We're remembering. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service, Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.